Hey guys, it's Renee Paquette from Throwing Down with Renee and Misha. On today's podcast, we have on UFC analyst, color commentator, all around fantastic human being, Laura Sanko. We take a look back at all of 2021, what 2022 has in store for her, and some fights that we're looking forward to as well. Here we go. We've got Laura Sanko on the show. Laura, oh my gosh, first of all, I have a million questions for you. It's really nice to see Fire you. Away. <laughs> nice to meet you. And I would also like to follow this up or start this off rather that you kind of look like Katy Perry. Misha, that's your girl. Do you think she looks oh, like Katy so Perry nice. a little bit right now? You know what? In the video, yeah, but in person, no. In person, no. I mean, I've seen you on television, obviously, many, many times. I've never thought of it. Right now, I'm like, I kind of see a little Katy Perry. Vibe I, right now. I do get that a lot. I didn't see it at first, and then I had a fan send me like this collage of pictures of us oh. at certain angles. So I, can see <laughs> I why, never like, thought it before. Like, not, I not never, remotely, I never thought of it. Like, yeah, it's certain angles. I, I think maybe you could definitely, maybe, yeah, sister, cousin. Yeah, um, like that. <laughs> Laura, 2021 was a hell of a year for you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, what stands out to you as the sort of the, the highlights that you've had through 2021? For me personally? Yeah. Personally, well, professionally, I, whatever yeah. you want to talk about. Gosh. I mean, well, the big one, obviously, um, finally being able to, and I, it's funny because as soon as I start to ex talk about this whole thing excitedly, I still, I have this little asterisk that still pops up in my head, but, um, no, Wait, I, what's the asterisk to, that I still haven't called a fight night. Like it was sort of like, oh. contender series isn't really a UFC fight. So they're still like, did she really, you know, but <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's uh... Wait, what is this thing? It's funny. Cause I, it's like such a, do you have like imposter syndrome with it? Cause that's how oh, I madly. felt when I was doing commentator that I was like, Big time imposter syndrome that you look for those yeah. asterisks. You look for reasons to be like, well, not really everyone calm down, but girl, yeah, you deserve I, your flowers. Yeah. I think it's a little bit, it's a little bit of that. I don't ever, I don't know. I'm not, I'm also not one to kind of rest on the laurels of any accomplishment. I do manage to, you know, scrabble together. I'm always kind of looking at the next thing, which is, I don't know, it's good, but it's also a curse in a lot of ways. It kind of, I have to be, I have to force myself to be very mindful and, uh, and just appreciative of the things I've done and the strides I have made and kind of, and, and how difficult it has been to even pull off what I did this year it's one day I'll write a book about it <laughs> oh god oh my god please you know what Laura Laura and I met long time yeah. ago and I you were still fighting you were fighting for Invicta at, at 105 yeah. pounds yeah 105, right yeah, yeah. I was, little time I was thinking about that the other day Misha because I I trained with you and Nick Dilley, um yeah. down in Oklahoma uh -huh. and I think I was an amateur still at the time and I remember you were so I remember like walking into the gym and be like, oh my God, I'm going to meet fucking Misha Tate today. Like I'm going <laughs> to train with Misha Tate. And it was before obviously women were in the UFC, but I still knew what a bit fucking big deal you were. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really, and then to see you a few times in Invicta on the broadcasting side of things yeah. and then like, and you as well. UFC. Yeah. And then to have you come back this year, it's, it's really cool. Cause I was, when I got booked on the show, it just made me kind of go down the memory lane of all the little run-ins that you and I have had and how awesome they've been. So, and this has been a great year for both of us, I think, yeah. right. It's been a pretty damn good year. Did you have a good Christmas? How about your son? How's he doing? I did. I had a great Christmas. It was pretty chill. We went up to Michigan to see my brother and his little gang of minions uh and Burke <laughs> always loves that because he's an only child so he gets kind of thrown into the mix of like a ton of kids and and Burke enjoys. is a great name by the way I really like that thank you, thank you. I cute. wanted something unique but not weird 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. Yeah. Like, you don't I mean, want to like, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. It's like, it doesn't throw you off. You're like, oh, I haven't heard, heard the name Burke in a long time. I like that. He gets Burt a lot, which irritates him. He's like, it's not Burt. Sure. I'm not, not yeah. Burt, but what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So jumping on the desk, jumping on the announce table, what? What was that moment like for you? What was the preparation that went into that? Uh, well, the preparation was limited because I had about 12 hours notice. <laughs> I guess technically Honestly, it was isn't that but... the best way to do it though? So you can't psych yourself out. You're just like, fuck it. I'm yeah. doing it. Here we go. Yeah. You know, honestly, both my, when I debuted, cause I had done play by play for Invicta, but then when I debuted as a color commentator, that was on six hours notice. And then in January, when I got the LFA gig as a color commentator, that was on one day's notice. And so it really kind of felt sort of, um, you know, like destiny because those scary moments had uh, prepared me to do this one because typically I'm someone who likes to over-prepare. I will, I'll study until my mind goes numb and I almost know too mm -hmm. much and then it all gets mixed up and I try to say too many things, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, all that stuff. So it really, mm -hmm. it really was perfect. And yeah, it was just, it was surreal is what it was because it's something I've been working toward for a really long time and, and been told no a whole bunch and just kind of kept finding little alleyways to make myself hopefully undeniable. And I still, like I said, I still feel like I haven't completely checked the box, but um, I'd like to do that this year if, if, if the powers that be, uh, you know, deem it so. Well, it seems like you've had a lot of people really championing you for this position um, from Ariel Hawani kind of putting your name out there to a lot of people to begin with. And it seems like Dana White has definitely been uh, keeping tabs on all things that you're yeah. doing. Does it do you feel that that uh, amount of support around you right now? I do. And it's that part was wild. And it was really scary because you know, fighting for Invicta and then broadcasting there so long as a reporter and then gradually kind of growing into the commentator role. That's always been my home. And I love that place. But one thing I'll tell you about the Invicta fan base is like, you can literally do no wrong. You could walk into the middle of the octagon, take a shit, and they'd be like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. It's <laughs> a beautiful <laughs> shit. Oh my God. It's so hard, you know, like they're just, that fan base is extremely forgiving. And I was well aware that, you know, the second I started calling LFA fights and other fights, that that fan base would not really be my protective little shield anymore. So after that first LFA fight, and then certainly after the first contender series fights, um, I very nervously approached my Twitter. Um, oh God. Sort of like having this talk with myself, like, okay, I can't let it get to me. Um, no matter what people say, like it's, it's going to be okay. But I was curious. And so I dove in and man, was I extremely pleasantly surprised. There's yeah. a couple of shitheads out there for sure. But like, it's uh the support's been awesome it's so cool to see that I remember when I was doing commentary for Monday Night Raw and the same thing like I was working with Michael Cole who has been doing it for like 30 years he's such a pro like he'd be like messaging his wife watching his like look app on his phone like doing a million things during the show and I'm like oh my god I don't know what I'm doing and then once I finally got the balls to be like hey I'm, I'm gonna look at my phone I'm gonna yeah. check my Twitter during a commercial break and same thing it was like people were really really cool I mean definitely of course some shitheads but it can be so weird to not let people 
get in your head? Have people yeah. got in your it's head at all? It's been the same thing for me this year, actually. Sorry to, to jump in there, but no, I was no, really surprised. And I just, I don't understand. It, did, did the UFC audience get nicer or did they did or do I just like I don't because when I left there were a lot of assholes there I mean it was it was bad it was like they would just chew you up and spit you right out and now I feel like I've just had so much more support I don't know if my fans have just matured a little bit or if if it's a pandemic has kind of softened people like don't be so harsh anymore I have no idea like but it's definitely different it is definitely different now that's good to hear because the flip side of it is, is rough. And I've, you know, I've been, I've oh, yeah. been on the receiving end of it as well. And I mean, you're in a much, much bigger spotlight than I am. So I can only imagine what it's been like for you, Misha. But uh, yeah, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like um, people appreciate authenticity. I think people appreciate people who are willing to put themselves out there. And I think that I would say within the last few years, people have started to really champion um, women more so than maybe they did a few years ago in this industry. Yeah. I'm not saying it's perfect. It's definitely not. But I think, especially with the women like us who are trying to do multiple things, be a mom, be in your case, a fighter, be a broadcaster and, and do it all to the best of our ability. I think people can identify with that. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. What were some of like the, the hurdles that you found um, of doing color commentary? Have well, there been me, any like moments of like things just especially because you've worn so many different hats through your career? I mean, I'm just curious because I mean, there's so many things in my head that when I started doing commentary that I was like, oh, I've got to change this about this. This is different yeah. than this other presenting situation that I was in. It's just it's so different. Yeah, I think unlike other sports, you know, the the UFC had never graduated someone from a reporting role, which is like a very specific skill set. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, it's kind of a specific look, usually female. John Gooden did it, of course, not a female, but in typically the reporter is a female. And um, honestly, typically the reporters and the hosts have actual broadcasting backgrounds. They went to school for journalism or television broadcasting. So they're good at they're good at TV, which <laughs> I wasn't at first. Uh, I was not good at TV. It was kind of the flip side. I just knew the sport really, really well. I knew the characters and the the storylines and I knew the industry inside and out because I've been in it since 2007 to some degree. Um, So for me, it was basically convincing a variety of people that yes, you can take a reporter girl and turn her into someone who's worthy of having an opinion on how fights could, should, and do play out in, in, you know, in real time. So it's been fascinating kind of learning the ins and outs of like when I, cause I still do all of the different things. I still am a reporter. Yeah. So when I'm a reporter, not breaking yeah. down what could happen in a fight and telling the storylines, when I'm an analyst, you know, talking about what could and did happen. And then of course, as a commentator, giving context to what is currently happening, you know, as we're looking at it. And they're very different skill sets that I think sometimes when you're not in television, which I realize all of you are to some degree, um, but when you're not in television, it's like, oh, she, well, she does this. She should be able to do that. It's it's so it's, yeah, so totally different. <laughs> <laughs> so you're getting in your ten thousand steps a day between going from this job to this job to this job. I mean, you are wearing yeah. all of the hats and keeping that alive. It's very very cool to see. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Hall of Fame sportscaster Leslie Visser, and I've got a new podcast, In Conversation, where I'll draw from 45 years of covering the Final Four, the NBA Finals, Wimbledon, the World Series, the Super Bowl, the Olympics. CBS even sent me to the fall of the Berlin Wall. I think you'll enjoy the give and take, so subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app included in most subscriptions. We're kind of recapping all things 2021. Obviously, this is our last episode of the year. <laughs> what things stand out for you in the fight world as uh, some of the biggest moments of the year? Gosh, it's every year is so hard when, when we do these recaps because I don't, MMA is such like a, what have you done for me lately sport that it's mm -hmm. always the most recent moment. So of course, Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunes is immediately what comes to mind. It just happened. And I think that that's always going to be a moment that, I think it's going to transcend well beyond this year into, you know, more of a, you know, moment of the decade, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think fans coming back earlier in the year. I mean, it's crazy to think now that this year was the first time we'd had fans in over a year. And so for me, you know, like to step out into one of those completely sold out arenas and have to wear both my ears and not just like be talking, <laughs> you know, really yeah. comfy simple uh simple apex setting uh get those get sweet. those vocal warm-ups in there Projecting. yeah seriously <laughs> you forget how you forget how different it is uh when you're when you're screaming versus just sort of yeah. casually chit-chatting yeah. um i think the kamara usman's of the world the cyril gons of the world i mean charles Oliveira. how could you not say charles Oliveira wasn't one of the biggest not not that he was a moment but just one of the biggest uh storylines of 2021 there's so many misha returning i think was a huge one there's it's hard for me to pick just one i love it i love it It was a great year we got to give rose nami Yunus a little love oh. too man right but of speaking course. of invicta right her coming from invicta and kind of just being part of that tribe um okay so we we talked about 2021 obviously we're excited for what 2022 brings so i don't know list maybe some 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 goals for you and and do you play into the new year's resolution or not you're going to talk about that a little bit too and then what you're looking forward to in 2022 for mma yeah. Okay. So I didn't used to play into new year's resolutions and I don't, I don't play into them in the sense of like what I used to think of them as being, but I will say that last year, so coming into 2021 was the first time I ever sat down and really, I don't know, had more of a meditative approach. You might say to what I wanted my life to look like, not specific goals, but like what, how I wanted my life to feel to me, I guess. And of course, those are results, the feelings that you have and how you feel about yourself professionally and personally is generally a result of, of, of things you've done or, or situations you've created. So it does sort of naturally trickle into goals, but it's kind of a broader thing than that. And it was the first time I sat down um, on New Year's Eve and, and wrote out like in present tense, I am, I am the first female color commentator in the Zufa era. And I, you know, it was a whole bunch of things and it's, it was pretty amazing to be able to check that, that biggest one off. Um, but so this year I will definitely be writing. I am the first female commentator. <laughs> 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 yes. We got to get, get real it. specific okay. now. Let's hone 
it in. Yeah. So we are looking forward to seeing Laura Sanko be the first color commentator in 2022 for the UFC. Yeah. Um, what else? Wait, like MMA hold on. wise. Really quick oh. question before oh. you get into that. Who is your yeah. dream broadcast team when you do get to call a fight night? Who do you want to be on the desk with you? Honestly, I would do it with, I don't have like uh, people that I think are better than others. Honestly, doing the contender series 10 weeks in a row was fantastic because I got to call fights with Paul. I got to call fights with DC and I got to call fights with Bisping and everybody kind of has their own flavor. Um, Paul's probably the, the, like the most seamless dance partner for me in terms of just like our chemistry for whatever reason, maybe it's because we had worked so much together before. How can you not want to call fights with DC or Mike Bisping though? Like I, I literally can't pick all, all of those guys are fantastic. And I will say too, that for as much shit as this sport gets or this industry gets for being uh, not always supportive of women and it can be a bit chauvinistic at times. Every single one of those guys in particular, in particular, Michael Bisping uh, went out of their way to like really embrace me in that role, which was definitely something that I was nervous about given, you know, our disparity in terms of like, you know, UFC fights. Sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, it's really nice to feel that that swell of support from uh, from the men that you work with. And honestly, I mean, as much as you can, like, I agree with you, it can be very chauvinistic. I mean, the professional wrestling world's the exact same. Um, but you really got to give it up for the men that do step up that really yeah. help us out and put us in uh, positions to succeed. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. That's exactly what I mean. But to, to your question, Misha, I didn't want to yeah, ignore. No, um, no, I told, I'm just very excited to know what the heck you were looking forward to. I mean, there's a lot. This was a great year for MMA. I don't know how 2022 gets better, but somehow the UFC seems to do it every year. So I mean, lots to look forward to. Yeah. What do you what are you looking forward to then? Even even like dream matchups, even things that we don't know that could be happening or you want Gosh. to happen. Well, I'm excited to see what Juliana does uh, at 135. I mean, that's going to be fascinating to see how all that plays out and if there's a rematch and where Amanda goes from here. And I, I will always be someone that wants to tune in to watch Amanda fight as well. I don't, I don't think um, this, I don't think that this loss necessarily takes away from her, her greatness. I think it just gives her an opportunity to come back and 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 show potentially show things again. Um, so I love storylines like that where. Um, people have an opportunity to claw back once what they once had sort of like what you alluded to with Rose. I mean, that was just incredible to see her regain the title and do it in the fashion that she did it. Um, man, the heavyweights, I know you guys were talking about that before, uh, before I hopped on here, but how can you not want to see how he the heavyweight division shakes out? I mean, that's going to be absolutely fascinating to see Francis and Ganu and, hopefully we can make a deal happen with the UFC. I can't imagine, uh, you know, not having him as part of the, the family here. So I'm confident, I don't know, I'm confident that, that something's going to get done uh, in that regard and to see him see what happens against Cyril Gaon. Um, Brandon, I mean, I, literally, I feel like, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting all animated. I feel like now more than ever, there's not just one division in the UFC that's interesting. Because for a long time, you kind of felt a little bit like it was like lightweight and then the others, you know? And I can honestly say that lightweight, welterweight, middleweight, light, I mean, Glover Teixeira, we not talk about Glover Teixeira <laughs> last year. Oh my gosh, what an incredible moment for him as well. I just think that there are a lot of divisions. Bantamweight has become, you know, another flagship division. There are a million different matchups and a million different ways to go. And my mother's calling me right as I'm doing this. <laughs> 
<laughs> mom. Mom. Sorry, mom. Looper in. Uh, well, Laura, thank you so much for jumping on. It's been so nice to get to talk to you and get to meet you. Yes. Uh, we would have you on anytime because I feel like I have so many questions that I would love to ask you. We only have so much time, though. Um, I hope that you have a great new year and looking forward to uh, what 2022 has in store for Laura Sanko. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Misha. Thank you, Renee. I appreciate you both. Thank, thank you. you. Throwing Down with Renee and Misha is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The show is produced by Michael Russo and Kelly Murphy. Sound designed by Nari Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.